Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, coming to you from the 2022 Just for Laughs Moon Tower Comedy Festival. My sometime co-host, Miss Perrington, is resting at home. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, our new column, Rochelle Takes on Comedy. Have you checked out our events page for live shows in Austin, Houston, and DFW? If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the counter, go to the events page and click Submit a Show to complete the short survey. If you want, you can send us a quick review of the survey and we'll share it and promo your show on Instagram. Now let's get back to our podcast. With over 200 interviews since its launch in 2016, the podcast is your anthropology lesson in Austin comedy, bringing you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the comedy world as fascinating off stage as it is on stage. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us. Today, I am talking to somebody whose credits are nearly half a page long. I had to cut some of my, my paper research to, to fit it all in. We are recording live from the Driscoll Hotel. And uh, I feel pretty excited. I've been describing landing this guest as like when you um, have a secret property in real estate, like it's not even on the market because this guest isn't officially listed on the um, Moon Tower schedule, but he is an integral part of the Moon Tower experience. And everyone knows who he is. So uh, this is a quote unquote brief introduction. He was a JFL fresh face. He is the host of The 88 Show, which blends his musical talents with stand-up improv comedy. His music video, I'm Not Equipped to Be a Father, uh, was a hilarious look at his new role as a father back in 2020 with his first child, right? And uh, featured a couple names that you might recognize, like Tiffany Haddish, Chris Redd, Adam Ray, and so many more cameos. Uh, his music is behind, and I loved learning this, uh, the Angelo sketch, which if you're a true SNL uh, nerd, you'll know exactly the sketch I'm talking about. Um, and it was earlier this season featuring his friend and brand new SNL feature, Aristotle, I misspelled his last name, uh, Athari, and uh, had the host Rami Malek and Daniel Craig in it. So pretty damn cool. Uh, he is also the musical um, music director for Historical Roasts. He orchestrated an, an incredible fundraiser for Comedians Give Back through a video called Christmas Magic, which is a who's who of comedy. And uh, I took it as a personal challenge that I failed to try to name every single comic. There were 60, more than 60 listed. Keegan-Michael Key performed his music as part of the NFL Honors earlier this year. He's been to a ton of festivals and, like I said earlier, staple, an absolute staple as the keyboardist of the Moon Tower Comedy Festival. I'm almost done. This is such a list. Uh, he'd probably list one of his high rankings as becoming a dad, but how about meeting Sir Paul McCartney in a bathroom in Hollywood? And he's been featured in NPR, if that's your, your kind of thing. So now, Comedy Man presents Avery Pearson. I'm gonna cry. Hey, how you doing? Pearson. That was so wonderful. 
I, I feel bad torturing you for this long-winded introduction, but I couldn't stop finding these credits. Like, it's a lot. Yeah, I, th- thank you. Uh, yeah, I feel like my mom might have called up and said, and Avery, and t- and r- tell him when he was in, he was actually the door guy in, uh, in Wizard of Oz in grade four. He did great. He was a really cute guy. Um, that was, yeah, th- thank you so much for looking into all that. Yeah. And, and yeah, it, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been really fun. Yeah. And I, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, just the fact that you do these and, and how wonderful you are. I mean, this is, this should be on NPR, this podcast, you know, like it really, the, just the candor that you take with it. And it's great. I mean, look at it. There's like a, we're in a room, there's like wood on the walls. I mean, this is an NPR experience. There's a statue of a horse, you know, like this is, this is lovely. There's people walking around. There's people looking at the horses, you know, they're going to, there's someone riding a horse. Okay, sir, get down. Um, 2022 for you has been so incredible, and I'm, I'm going to start here, but I actually have an icebreaker question, so in oh. a few minutes we're, I'll get around to asking that, okay. but 2022 seems like it's been such an incredible year for you with the NFL honors, um, bringing back the 88 show, which I know is near and dear to your heart, um, and coming back to the festival. I know you were here in September, but like this is you know the full official, it's back in the spring. Uh, how stoked are you for 2022? I mean, yeah, it's just great not to be in, sitting in my living room right now. You know, I'm just I'm just happy my kids aren't screaming at me right now, and the only thing I have to contend with are these like these idiots. But um, yeah, I mean, um, it, it's wonderful. I'm so excited. I'm so happy to be back. I mean, you know, if anyone's out there and you know you were you were listening and and you were you were on your couch and you're like, one day this is going to be over and like we're going to be able to get out. And I just we're just there and it's just such like a wonderful thing. Yeah. You know. So I, I'm excited for it, and um, yeah, I got to do some really cool stuff. The like, you know, opening number thing for NFL Honors was unbelievable. I mean, live on ABC, you know, like I'd I'd never done something that big, you know, performing wise, and you know, we were live, and Keegan was incredible. I mean, the man is like the most one of the most talented people in the world. Yeah. And um, so basically, the idea was was that Keegan, they always do every year for the NFL Honors, they're going to do like stand up and you know usually it's like Steve Harvey or Keegan's done it it's just jokes and roasts and stuff and they wanted to do something different because of you know it had just been you know it's been a fun couple of years everybody anyone listening at home you guys have fun last couple of years it's been a blast and um, so they said they wanted to you know Keegan's just multi-talented and they wanted to do a song and then you know they reached out to me and um, the idea was just to do something called We're Back and it turned into this really fun song. We had football players sing, like Rob Gronkowski sang, and Aaron Rodgers sat there stone-faced because he didn't <laughs> want to say anything because he was going through some things at the time. And then, it's so funny, and they're like, you know, we're wondering, Avery, would you like to have a, you know, you can say no, because we know if you don't want, if you want to just be your band, would you like an orchestra to play with you? I'm like, what are you talking Yeah, yeah, I'd like an orchestra to play this stupid song, yes. Yes, I mean that's like a dream. That's like my wet dream. Like yeah. I love comedy music. I grew up on like Jack Black and Adam Sandler, and that's like my my thing, you know. And then they're like, "Would you like a hundred piece orchestra to to play with strings, and we'll have someone do the composition, and you just have to tell them when to press to to go." And I mean, yeah, it was a thrill. It was yeah. an absolute thrill. And the, honestly, the best part of that was that I got to hire the goddamn Comedy Jam band to do it, and my buddy Jordan uh, Baum who produced the song with me. Um, who did Christmas Magic. Um, and so it was just like one of these really fun things that we got to just be live on ABC and suddenly you're up there and you've just, you know, been sitting in your house shorts for two yeah. years, you know, and like 
trying to keep these my kids. I have a couple of kids, and they're wonderful. I haven't slept in a while. I would kill myself. <laughs> but um, but uh, it was just so wonderful. Yeah. So that was an incredible experience. Yeah. Since since I knew I was going to talk to you, I watched the the replay of that NFL Honors uh, song, and it's funny that you were so stoked about the orchestra because I'm trying to. F- find you yeah. and I'm like oh, orchestra get out of the way I yeah. want to see the band and I saw the basses from Element yeah. P and I'm like okay but I want to see Adrian. yeah I don't know how Joel if you watch Goddamn Comedy Jam on TV somehow Joel gets featured for yeah. everything and Josh and I are like behind stanchions I'm a stanchion comic um, and actually the first year and look Moon Tower is like Moon Tower and JFL are my two favorite festivals it's great like every year everyone comes together yeah. awesome 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 but the first year we did Moon Tower, the keyboard was behind those big metal poles, like literally. <laughs> and so I was, so, you know, I'm a performer. I want to be seen. I don't want to be, I'm not like, like most piano player keyboards, they want to like hide in the back and they just want to focus on their thing. No, uh-huh. I'm the, this is the Goddamn Common Gem is the only band where the keyboardist is like at the yeah. front of the stage because I'm a, you know, a glory hawk. <laughs> And so I literally got to the stage, grabbed the stitch and thing, and moved it three oh feet gosh. stage left. I'm like, fuck this. I'm like, I came all the way from Los Angeles. My, my kids, I had to pay for a babysitter this weekend. I'm not going to be behind a stanchion. Anyways, but I, I, I love the fact. I mean, I just mess around. But then again, I get the biggest spot of my career. Yeah. I'm behind another stanchion. I'm a stanchion comic. I do mostly uh, behind poles. I've uh, played behind gates before. Uh, you know, I've, I've done lampshades. You know, there's been a lot. I've, I've uh, performed behind people in large crowds, but mostly behind people. The first year we did Goddamn Comedy Jam at um, at Just for Laughs, we were in catacombs, and it's a small, 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 small stage. And we had a five-piece band, Jeez. and there was no room for the keyboard. And so, I won't say who, and it wasn't anyone in the band, but they tried to put the piano player behind the drum kit sitting down it was a mess it's known in the band now it's not josh let's just say the guy's not the band anymore and he tried to put me behind the drummer can you imagine like and he tried to pass it off like it was a pit orchestra i'm like dude i just i flew in from there again babysitter it's 20 dollars an hour i'm here for a weekend you know how much money that is it's a lot of money that was the beginning of a stanchion comedian. Yeah. Well, I, I wrote a note as a potential title is not a stanchion comic. Thank you so much. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a stanchion comic. Yeah, not a stanchion <laughs> comic. Yeah, I'm more than a keyboard player. I also stand behind poles. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, okay. as promised, yeah. now I'm going to throw uh, at you my, my icebreaker question. Hit me. One word to describe your past. One word to describe my past. Um... Fun's coming to mind, you know. Uh, I'm a I'm a really I'm a really lucky guy. I'm the product of a of a, of a good home with great parents who always had fun. We used to sing musicals in the car ride driving, you know, from Toronto to Florida, and very loving family and um, good friends, and always tried to have fun. Always tried to have fun. So I would say, fun, yeah. Is that? And this is where I had forgotten. This is your James Lipton. This is your James Lipton moment. Yeah. (laughs) What's my favorite word? (laughs) Dipshit. (laughs) Fuckhead. That's my favorite swear word. All right, sorry. Go ahead. What would you say at the gates of heaven when you? (laughs) Hey, I'm back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I forgot. It's not like it matters in my my long introduction. But you are from Toronto. I am. Yeah. And did you start performing? 
when you were growing up? Yeah. Or in school? Yeah. And yeah um, my first role was I was the doorman um, in Wizard of Oz, and mm-hmm. I just absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and then, yeah, so I, 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 you know, I think my first line was, who goes there? So I was already apprehensive <laughs> about the whole career. I probably should have stopped there. But, uh, yeah, and then, um, you know, I was, you know, it's like little things, you know, like I was the only grade four in the grade five play. So there was like something was like yeah. happening. Like I needed to, to do this. There was yeah. like something pulling me. And then, um, so I went to art schools growing up. I went to arts elementary, arts high school. Um, but the reason that I got into it, I was a bit of a spacey kid. Like I would just like space out, be in my own world, think of things, think of songs, think of uh-huh. stories, you know, and I would not focus very well. Probably ADHD, probably undiagnosed. We just diagnosed it. There really great. Go. So um, the teacher from the local elementary art school came and did this presentation and I'm spaced out. Didn't even know what was going on. And then at the end of the whole presentation, he goes, and so we have music and art and dance and theater. Uh, so whoever wants an application put your hand up and then there was a girl in the front row that I was had a huge crush on and she put her hand up and I just went Mark me too I want to go to that school I want I want to go where she's going and her name is Julia Feldman and uh, we she grew up she grew up around the corner from me she's a brilliant dancer and uh, anyways the reason that I continue to get into the arts is because of a girl wow. <laughs> so you know um, credit yeah. to Julia Feldman credit to Julia yeah shout out Julia Feldman she's got family one that got away she's actually just a family friend yeah. but um, yeah so I was always in art schools um, I went to uh, another art, art school called Unionville High School and it's a magical experience you know every year we would study you know different things from so grade 9 you get like a broad you have to audition to get in and so everyone's really good from the area and you know you had to, the first year you did like a general overhaul of all of theater so you do like drama and comedy and mask and um, a little bit of Shakespeare and a little bit of everything a little bit of writing the next year you do comedy and that was so much fun oh. and I just like really fell into it you know like we had we did stand up when we were 16 you know and we went to like uh, Yuck Yucks in Toronto shout out Yuck Yucks and um, we did uh, stand up and then we did like mask and committee to arte and improv and it was it was incredible and the next year we did Shakespeare and the next year we wrote our own material and like wow. I, it was I, I, I that's why I say fun like I, I really you know I think it's you know I mean not to get too incensed here but like the pillars of society are healthcare and education education is so important you know mm-hmm. like what you teach the kids so you want to support in a positive light. You know, and and to have family that supports the arts, too. 100%. You know, like, being a parent's really tough. Like, believe me, I, I you know, as you, as you said, I, I have a yeah. song called I'm Not Equipped to Be a Father. And, like, I think, like, most of the people in our generation don't didn't know what we're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just turn 30 or something, and you're like, well, I guess, I guess that's, here we go. You know, it's, it's like, why not? No yeah, idea. what's the story of your birth? I, my dad said, why not? My mom said, let's, you know, let's, all right. And then they had sex, and here I am, you know, and, and we're all just sweating. You know, like, when after having a kid for, like, a week, I called my mom and apologized for everything. So I'm just really sorry. It's just, I, I don't know why. If I ever said, didn't listen to you exactly, if you ever told me to, like, walk off a cliff and I didn't do it, I'm really sorry because, like, it's just... <laughs> so, but, yeah, I was always doing uh, theater and uh, music and, um, you know, I went to university for it. I went to move to New York and went to an acting school there and I really just wanted to be an actor. Really, that was my first goal was just to be like a serious... I wanted to be Mark Ruffalo huh. and just be a serious actor. And um, I did really well and, like, I did New York a lot of plays and stuff. And then I met my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and she's like... 
you know, I think you're like a comedian. And I go, I don't know. I'm pretty serious. I'm, I'm a dramatic actor. <laughs> She's like, mm, no, I think you're a comedian. I go, I don't, I don't think so. And she's like, Avery, you're, you're just like, you're too big. Like, just do. So she's like, she, I mean, she's like my, she's like, she's the best. I have the best wife in the world. I'm very, very lucky. And she just like, you know, I'd always played piano and, and I was always like loving comedy. And she's like, why don't you just like play piano? And so she told me, uh, we moved, we moved in together like a few blocks away from the improv in Hollywood in LA. And she goes, go get a job at the door. And I was 30, and I was like, all right, I got nothing to lose. I did. Rita Piazza, fucking guardian angel, like, hired me. And then I just worked my ass off, and I didn't ask for anything in comedy for years. Didn't ask for a word. Just worked hard, moved tables, worked hard, worked hard, worked hard. And then one so night... So all just at, as the behind the scenes, the door person... Grind. Okay. Yeah. But just, were you doing comedy... I was doing, I took some improv classes at the time when I was like first going to LA, you know, some improv groups like that kind of thing, uh-huh. but not dedicated to it. We're still okay. trying to be, again, I'm a dramatic actor. Yeah. Right. Okay. I'm a very serious person. Yes. And so she, very serious. <laughs> serious. So believable. Professional. Too. Believable. Yes. believable. Very believable. Art. Yeah. So, <laughs> funny art. Fart. So <laughs> she, so I just kept, she's like, just go over there and be the nice guy because I was trying to find myself again. And then I just worked my way up, started working the booth, and then uh, I'm playing piano before one of the shows, before Comedy Juice, at the Improv, um, which was a really big show at the time. It was the show. Always sold out, lineup at the door. And I was just playing piano, because there was happened to be a baby grand, pia- grand piano on the stage at the Improv. And then the manager comes by, Paige Schaefer, who is, then became the booker, and she's like, Avery, just stay there. Glazer, who's Glazer from... Glazer, uh, from um, from weed fame, um, go to the booth. And then I just start playing piano before shows at the improv in front of 200 people. And I'm just riffing with them, I'm playing with them, I'm just doing like a million different things. And at first I was terrified because I had no material mm-hmm. and I just kept playing. And then I would like be like, hey, where are you from? And they're like, Detroit. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and, and it just kind of built, built, built. And then comics started seeing me and they go, Avery, stay up there. And so Jeff Ross is like, Avery, stay up there. And I went to the bar, and then someone someone said, uh, Avery, what are you doing? And I go, what? He's like, Jeff Ross is on stage. He wants you to come up. I'm like, for what? He's like, he wants you to play piano while he like roasts people. I'm like, why? <laughs> and I was, he's like, and it was actually Josh, Josh Adam Myers. And he goes, go, go. I'm like, I, what do you want me to do? He's like, just go play, dude. Oh, no, actually, <laughs> yeah, I should do yeah, Josh. Should do dude, dude, just go play. <laughs> well, what am I going to play? Dude. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you play. It's how you play it. You know, you gotta put your girthy in. You gotta put your shawarma in. You know, you gotta double down when you're scoozy boozy. So I didn't know what the hell he was like. Just get up there. Go. You got diabetes. Just get. You don't have many years to live. Just get up there. This could be your last chance on stage. Oh God. I wish I could play piano. Did I ever tell you about the time I tried? All right. That's enough, okay. Josh. So. All right. So I go up on stage and then and then and. There's Jeff Ross, and I'm just playing with him. And then, you know, Judd Apatow would want to do something, and then Tiffany Haddish. And then we started doing this show, uh, Josh. Oh, yeah. I started it. <laughs> and Jeremiah and myself. And we started doing this show called Midnight Snack every Saturday night at midnight um, after um, <laughs> after the late night show at the Improv, after the 10 o'clock show. We would go, and uh, um, people would think that the show was over. A 
okay, I've seen my two-hour show. Uh And then us three idiots, one with a saxophone, you know, the only band that had a lead singer, a piano player, and a saxophone. No Uh drums, no bass, horn section, one person. (laughs) And we'd rush the stage and just try to keep people. And so we just try to keep people. And so we didn't, we were the kind of a backward show where it was like, instead of people coming into the room, people would leave the room, you know, as time progressed. Yeah. So it was how long could we, so after a show we'd be like, oh man, we kept most of the room for like an hour. Uh-huh. Wow, we did really good. Yeah. Oh, we only kept them for 20 minutes. Oh God. And then, But then by the end of it, there'd be like eight hardcore comedy fans there and we would just be making up songs uh-huh. with them. We'd play all night. We just became best friends. It was so great. And so we were doing Midnight Sack for a while. Um, and uh, I'm just sort of like going through the progression here. All right, here, I'm Dealer's Choice. Do you want to hear the ADHS story or the Paul McCartney story? Or in what order? I'm actually yeah. going to ask you some questions yeah, about okay. the stuff that, you know, yeah, NPR okay. here. Oh, All right, yeah. so sounds like your wife was your muse to, yeah. to actually get you out of your, yeah. you know, Mark Ruffalo phase. Hey, um, I'm not dead yet, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious about how long ago that was. Um, that would have been in 2012. Okay. And I had done some sketch comedy in New York, and I had a part of, was a part of a sketch team, really sketchy, but I wasn't taking it very serious. I was taking it seriously, but I wasn't like pursuing it as like my yeah. thing. Um, and then she's like, Avery, you're funny. Just go be the funny guy. Mm-hmm. Just go be funny and be nice. Yeah. And so that was about 2011. So I've been in I've been in this game for like a you know 10 or 11 years. Or yeah. But then I but the first few years I was just doing the doors, so maybe like eight years or something. So you were seeing a lot of comics, and um, as somebody who, my opinion is, if you are studying the arts in a formal way, you study the technicalities. So were you absorbing all of that? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I found is that most people say, I, I think stand-up comedy is like the hardest form. It is, I mean, unbelievable. It is an unbelievably difficult thing to master. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to work so hard at it, be so precise about it, and then let go and have fun. You know, what a, like, you don't want your surgeon doing that. You don't want to be like, all right, uh, <laughs> studied for 20 years, and now I'm going into brain surgery. I'm just going to get in there and have fun yeah. and let loose, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, I was watching, and I would I would start doing the math on how it worked, and um, I remember this. I used to do. I uh, I was the uh, piano uh, piano player um, on Mondays at the Comedy Store for like four years, and so I'd be there from seven till two um, every Monday night, and it was awesome learning ground, and it was great. But there was this one night in terms of like the technicalities. So Bill Burr comes in. And I'll never forget it. Like this is sort of, this is like this is comedy nerd stuff, okay? So I don't remember what his joke was. Sorry, we got some we got some hotel. All right, I'm having an interview. I'm a famous person. I'm famous. Look at this. I'm a famous person. Thank you so much. Where are you from? Yeah, absolutely. Well, otherwise you might be busy. Uh, I'm very. I'm in an interview. I'm a famous person. Oh, sorry for interrupting. Good luck with whatever you're doing. Thank you so much. It's a proctology interview. So. <laughs> That's well, we're actually pretty good at that. It just just say it. Do you get this conversation? Yes, you can. <laughs> Two for one, my friends. Okay, now bend over. Uh, so. What was I talking about? Bill Burr. Right, Bill him. Burr. Professional. He would have never done a hack joke like that. So he'd be like, get out of my fucking interview. Get the fuck out of here. Why aren't we in a booth? So, this sucks. Why are you out of here? I'm going to watch the socks. Oh, 
fuck this place. Why are we in an atrium? Shit. <laughs> fuck. He's a god. He's a godfather of the jam. You get it. Yeah, yeah. Valerie gets it. We go way back. All right, so... Uh, all right. It was Bill. So... I, I'm not going to do the joke that he says, but I'm going to just explain the structure of it because I think it was brilliant. He said one sentence. It was a one sentence uh, joke. Let's just say it was, uh, the cat walks down the street and gets hit by a car, okay? But I tracked it, and so he went, the cat, and then he dropped down and did a full-on story about that cat, brilliant, you know, five-minute bit. Then mm-hmm. he came back and goes, the cat was it walked down the street and got hit by a car. So the cat story walked down the street told me a story then he told a story about the street the, the, the funny story about how streets are weird and how like when he crosswalks and you get hit by you know like mm-hmm. uh, in England you're on the wrong side of the road whatever comes back the cat walked down the street does a call back from that first set, that first bucket cat walks down oh um, yeah, cats are idiots and you know comes back down grabs the, another bit from the street cat walks down the street and gets hit now I'm hit and I was in Boston Boston Fenway Park and I you know this guy hit a home run Greenwood it was amazing comes back does tags all picks up all the pieces from the sentence now we're like 15-20 minutes into a fucking masterpiece joke okay the cat walks down the street gets hit by a now before I get into this last bit I want to tell you something about cars cars are you know cars for me I love cars but I know whatever whatever was in again I'm like totally botching the joke but the point is this guy took one sentence this, he's brilliant Bill Burr one sentence and dissects it and breaks it down and calls it back and does like a full I want to say he did 30 minutes on one sentence it was genius it was genius and it was all meticulous and pulled back and grabbing having fun and playing in the audience in the OR which is a really hard room at the comedy store anywhere and just just just, it, it was unbelievable to watch you know so, anyways, that that's my that, that was the biggest technicality that I that I learned from comedy is is that drop down sentence. It's it's like a bucket sentence where you have to go back and come down. Yeah. You know. So. So when you were pulled on stage to do uh, the the keyboard or the piano rather right. uh, at, the, at the improv, right? You hadn't officially done stand up. No. And is stand up something that you even I, you care know, about? Sure, I care about Maybe it. Maybe you like studying the technicalities of it. Yeah. You're like, you're melding that music in the yeah. comedy. I think it's, you know, I think like you're, you're drawn, you do what you're drawn to, you know. You, I, I really wanted to be a dramatic actor. Mm-hmm. Didn't happen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm good at this. And I really love doing it. Yeah. And it was something I always loved doing. Like, I sang the Hanukkah song at a Christmas pageant in my high school. <laughs> you know, like, I would make up songs about beef stroganoff and, and, at camp and like, it was just one of these things that was always there. It's like always in your backpack and you reach down, you're like, oh my God, that's my favorite hat. And you put on the hat and you're like, oh, I love this hat. Yeah. This is, this is the best hat. And so now I, I write comedy songs and I get to write comedy songs, working on graduate. I get to write comedy songs. You know, I get to do covers. I never wanted to be in a cover band, but I'm not. I'm in the fucking best cover band. Co- mm, you know, yeah. I'm in the best cover band yeah. in the world because we get to do it with the best people in the world and have so much fun with all my friends. And you the know? coolest places and in the, the world. the coolest places in the world. Cruises. Cruises. Montreal. Montreal. We were in Cancun. Uh, maybe London. Brazil, if you're listening, we're, we <laughs> want to go to London. He's, he's not <laughs> but, you know. It's going to be all Oasis. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, yeah, so we do Oasis comedy. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> I'm a stanchion oasis comic. <laughs> Write that down. 
No, <laughs> not a stench in Oasis. That's Oasis comic. comic. So yeah, so it, it you know it just it, it just sort of happened for me, and uh, yeah, that, that's that's the long and short of yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, nobody nobody hates the fun guy. You're the I mean, you really are the fun guy. Mm-hmm. Like everything that we see when we watch you do the jam. Uh, I I did get to you had the eighty-eight show. Mm-hmm. Um, couple of moon towers ago i yeah. think but pre-pandemic that's right and so i got to see that oh which was really fun oh thanks watch. thanks um, so yeah who who doesn't like a fun guy and like you commit to that and with your abilities with the piano and keyboard who doesn't want that around it's uh, yeah and I, I i think so i think it's just being ha- having fun and, and being nice it, it, it goes a long way you know be kind to people um, and that's what we're doing. Like, I really like every time I'm in front of an audience, I'm really like trying to connect with them. Like, I really make sure I'm like having at one point, you know, directing jokes or songs to one person, you know, whether that makes them feel uncomfortable or not. I don't know. That's part of the fun. But, you know, like you want, I want these people, like I just kind of look like it's, you're in my living room and I, I want to have fun with you. And I feel very comfortable up there on stage, you know, like I do get jitters before, but you know, when you're up there, it's like, it's, it's an incredible, uh, feeling of like free falling and letting go and having fun and knowing there's a parachute sort of well the parachute work and you know it's it's great it's really great after those first few weeks and months of being pulled on 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 the stage to to do the piano what Mm -hmm. what what started um getting you thinking about the 88 show or if there was another show yeah you uh, created yeah, so there it's sort of ADH show came from two things. It was a comedy jam and, and midnight snack and then just my natural abilities. But it was really my wife, um, who said <laughs> We're just gonna say thank you to To my wife, yeah. MJ Bracken, you know. She's great. Um, yeah, she really I mean, I don't yeah, she's a, a wonderful woman. I'm very lucky. You know, I'm I'm again product of wonderful people around me. Yeah. Um, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so we were doing midnight snack. And guests would come on and they would improvise a song with Jeremiah, Josh, and I. So we'd have like Dane Cook or Jeff Ross or Tiffany or Jesse Mae Peluso or whoever, like really probably worked with about 100 comics on that show. You know, every Saturday night till late, you know, I think Aristotle did it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Aristotle comes and does Midnight Snack with us one night. And this was at a time where he was doing, and I talked with him about this, but he was experimenting with characters. And he comes on stage, and I'm, I'm, I'm like 95% sure this is the moment, but he comes on stage, and he starts doing this, like, ducky guy, you know, eh, what do you say for, you know, all this, this stuff. Angelo? Yeah. And, and so he's like, play for me, play for me something. And, you know, I go, okay, Angelo, what do you want to hear? He's like, play for me. I go, okay. And, there was, and then it became that music. He's like, this is good. And I was like, and I say for me, don't stop believing, you know, like, and so we did it, and it was just like, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? He's so brilliant, you could tell, uh-huh. he was so, but I just had, I couldn't grasp it, like I wasn't, so we didn't like go and like write a million different things, but I was like, this guy's brilliant, he's doing his thing, respect that, and we had the song, and then he later he's like, would you mind recording that? I'm like, can continue to develop the character, of course. And then, so cut to a, a year ago or whatever it was, last last um, last spring, I guess. He's like, uh, you know, I'm going to do it for new faces. Would you, was that okay? Yeah, for sure. 
And then he calls me and he goes, hey, um, I have this audition for this show. And I can't tell you what it is. But I want to use the music. Is, is that okay? And I go, yeah. Good luck on your show audition. <laughs> the only show in the world that won't let you say anything about a fucking audition, uh-huh. right? Uh, so, SM, so I knew it was SNL. And, and he got it. And then a week later, it wasn't the first, I think it was like, I don't know if it was the first, second, or third episode. It was very early. It was I, very early. It was early. very memorable, even before I realized. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he's doing it. I'm like, holy crap. And then, so here's the thing, right? Like you go, I just helped my buddy out. That's enough. And then this gem of a person calls me and goes, hey, I spoke with the music supervisor. Now you got to understand, when you're on SNL, it is hard enough. It is. I'm sure everyone you've you know interviewed on this it is SNL is a tough gig. You have to work so hard. It's you know very competitive, and you're just trying to do the best comedy on in the world, right? That's your job every week. Do the best comedy in the world. <laughs> so he goes, you know, would you let me use it? I did it, and then he goes, I spoke with the supervisor. So he's already like stepping out of his comfort, and he's like. Um, they're going to give you a music by credit on it. You're, you're getting an actual credit on it. You're getting residuals and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, so I got this SNL credit because of Aristotle, God bless him, uh, being a real mensch and a good person and being nice and fun. Yeah. And um, so that's that's how the Angela thing started and and grew. And I mean, he did most. He gives me a lot of credit. And the music is really good, and he feels very inseparable with it. Uh-huh. But obviously, he's he's a genius, and he made this amazing character. But um, it was fun. It was yeah. really, really cool. I felt lucky I got to watch him do stand-up last night. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't... It's one of those things. Can't really describe what he did, but yeah. it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And just so yeah. like, out of the box. He's got a really interesting story. We've been playing around with um, maybe me directing his one-man show. We're, like, talking mm-hmm. about it a little bit. I think it'd be fun. But he has a very interesting story. If you ever can get him on the podcast yeah. and talk with him, he's... Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but SNL people are incredibly difficult to probably work through. Yeah. I've been trying. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, maybe in 20 years when he's off the maybe. show. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I mean, um, that was that was amazing. And then, so wait, where are we talking about the? I don't even. Remember. All right. What you tell me what's next? Uh, goodness. Uh, oh, the origin of the 88. Oh right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so. Um, it became this thing where the ADH show was this like thing where my wife was like, go like do everything you do, which is like act and write and produce and do music and do songs and that kind of thing. And so we did. And I ended up taking the best of the goddamn comedy jam, which is a comic telling a story about a song that they love. In that case, it was a, it was a story of, it was a song like a, that was written and then Midnight Snack which is taking a comic and writing something on the spot and putting them together and then formatting it where you have a set an interview and then an original comedy song which is what I do what I love doing and it originally started as improvised but then we moved very quickly into um, after about six months Jeremiah and Josh like inspired me to like write with them and so then we format it into this kind of Muppet Show-esque thing where I'm kind of like Kermit and all this shit's happening around me and like the door guys are trying to get stage time and the waiter's not working and this, the lights aren't working and I'm excuse me, trying to run this show through where there's like comics doing sets and songs and it, it just became me and it yeah. became like, I'm not Mark Ruffalo, I'm the 88 show. It's the, it could be the Avery show, you know? Uh-huh. And so we've been doing it for 
you know, we did it for three years before pandemic. Uh, we have a shopping agreement with a really big production company right now. We're going to be taking it out. And, um, you know, it's just this, like, really lovely, beautiful thing. And I was so thrilled to do it here at Moon Tower. Um, we're doing it as Netflix as a joke fest nice. um, on the 30th with um, Dulce Sloan, Aristotle's on it, and uh, Arden Marine, and uh, our backup, Stevie Alexander, who was on 20 Feet from Stardom, and Michelle Ortiz, who was on Mad TV, and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And, um, Produced by Christine Casagrande, big shout out there. But yeah, it, I just started doing it at the improv and, and everyone did it. And the first comic that did it was Tiffany Haddish. And she had, she was just about to, she had booked uh-huh. and shot uh, Girls Trip. And then she, so she wasn't really like a big known, like as her she is now. Yeah. And she came in and we did this song called The Last Black Unicorn. And, and it was really clear <laughs> that the show was going to do something. And Neil Brennan did the show. and. He had like a panic attack before he was getting ready to do his set for um, um, three mics, and so he was running material there. And then Josh did it. And we made up some songs, and it became very clear that that was this was the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Is that okay for you? Yes, I actually okay. listened to the audio from last week's, and okay. you barely hear it. Awesome. So Great. As long as it doesn't distract. No, no, no. I have I'm, no I'm, power to change it, but. No, yeah. no, no. I, I'm uh, because I like grew up in the theater and did background stuff. I'm constantly aware of technical issues and and spacing yeah. and lighting uh-huh. and you know I just really know the theater and uh, everything. I'm like acutely aware yeah. of, right? And so that's why I'm like, how's that for your levels? Like, I'll stop my own interview to make sure the levels are good. You know, so like, sweet. well, I just can't help myself. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, is this good for tape? Yeah. Are we good? Can we hold? We're good. We're good for sound? We got box moving in the back? Go for box? Okay. So I just want to make sure you're, you're comfortable too. Good. Okay. Good. All right. I also don't sound edit, so. Oh, perfect. Yeah, just around here. Well, there you go. Enjoy that. <laughs> Um, what did other than fatherhood? What did you do to keep your creative things happening during pandemic? Uh, cried mostly. <laughs> I mean, uh, what did I do? It was hard. I mean, pandemic felt like I was getting my leg cut off. Like I, I felt like par- emotionally and like creatively paralyzed. I played piano. We tried doing the eighty-eight show on a Zoom with Nowhere Comedy Club, and, and they were great. But it's just. It was like, by the end of it, it was great that we did it. Yeah. It was fun, but it was sad. It was more sad. Yeah. You know, I'm sh- every comic is like, most comics are like, can't stand the Zoom thing. Mm-hmm. Look, it kept a lot of people afloat. We got paid for it, you know. But uh, we do this because we want to be with the audience. Yeah. You know, we would do this because we want to perform yeah. on the biggest and best stages in front of the coolest audiences and comedy fans. And Austin's like, you know, at the tip of that, you know, everyone loves comedy. It's, it's the best. Yeah. You know, uh, Tempe's also a great place. They love comedy there. It's like Tempe Improv. They always, I always enjoy it. I mean, anyone going to a comedy club, it's 200 seater, right? Like, you know, obviously that you, as you grow as a comedian, your audience base grows. But you get like these people, 200 people, 300 people in a comedy club. They're comedy fans. They're there to have fun. I and mean, that's what it's about, you know? I don't want to do it to my like iPhone that's flipped upside down and... <laughs> You know, my kids in the background screaming, like, yeah. that sucks. Yeah. So I would try to do that. I wrote, um, I got some good gigs. Uh, I actually, you know, like, I became a music supervisor in a Facebook watch show for a holiday special uh, called Peace Out 2020, because we were, like, sick of it. Um, so did some music selection there. Uh, oh, I did the Snubbies with Jeff Ross. So that was on Live by Live. Um, and so we worked at... Um, um, 
uh, jam in the van and so we did this like recorded thing where we were roasting the Grammy losers so that was really fun so we roasted Bruno Mars and then we did uh, the Oscars and so we were on a bus in Hollywood driving around playing music and Jeff's been incredibly I love Jeff Ross he's been incredibly supportive of my career um, he was he actually I would say from he, the very get go for the very get go Jeff Ross has been there for me uh, and he's I mean just done so much he made me a music director on a Netflix show when basically my credits included the 88 show and a desire to be Mark Ruffalo like <laughs> you know like and he hired me to, to run it because he's the best and and, and he's you know there's some pe- the, the way this the comedy goes is that it's it's a brother and a sisterhood you are brought up and if you are brought up in that tradition mm-hmm. you know to pull people that de- people up and that's what Rita Piazza taught me, who was the general manager of the improv and you know, the patron state of comedy. And you just bring people up. Josh brought me up with Jeremiah. We, we yeah. came up through the comedy jam. And I'll bring up my friends. And that's that's how it goes, you know. Um, it's not nepotism. It's it's friendship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Keep going back to it. And it's fun. And it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's, Our, it's the best. All right. We have teased the audience okay. enough. Yeah, yeah. Drop okay. the story, Sir Paul oh, McCartney. Sir Paul McCartney. Okay, so I used to do music. Uh, I used to play piano before the shows. We established that on the comedy land. The H is silent, right? Or is it? Wow. It's the comedy for M. Oh, welcome to the comedy. The flam de comedy, en français. Oui, oh, très le bien. Le bon, le bon. Oh, que ça le bon, le H Wait, are you French-speaking because you're from well, Toronto? I'm. I can speak un petit peu de oh, français. Oh, that's all I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, God damn it! I got called out. I was gonna be the. I was gonna be the cool guy. You're like, wow. You're you still know, the cool guy. A, I'm still the cool guy. Comedy fun. <laughs> um, so all right. So I'm doing playing. So it's one of those nights where you don't. I was exhausted. I worked multiple jobs. I was still coming up in comedy and. I was supposed to play before the show. I didn't really didn't want to. And I was just like, screw it, I'll go. So I go, I play piano for about, I want to say half an hour before a show at the Improv that was mildly attended, maybe 80 people in a 200-seat theater. And when you get bored and, you know, you're riffing and stuff, you know, I just started playing, like, um, jazzy, like, Hey Jude and All You Need Is Love. Just I'm just, like, uh-huh. goofing around. And then I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing. And then my manager, my my performance manager at the time, comes around and taps me. He's like, Avery, look over there. And I look away, and like 20, 30, 20, 30 feet away is Paul McCartney sitting with a friend at the rail with his arms up, <laughs> just singing along. <laughs> like loving it. And I'm just like, oh. Like I'm getting chills thinking about him. So I'm just like, oh God, oh God, no, oh no. Now, cut back to when I was seven and hated learning piano because it's so fucking hard. Hated it, hated it, hated it. And he goes, and, and my mom's like, here's a easy to play Beatles book. And I was like, oh, playing music can be fun. So everything. I love your mom. Yeah. I do yeah, too. That Lynn was Pearson, so yeah. smart. So smart. Yeah. If you're teaching someone something, do not make it uncomfortable. Don't make it hard. They will hate it. Mm-hmm. They may be even credible one day if you force them to do it. I'll hate it eventually. So I love piano. So I'm 
so he gives me the book, playing it. Flash forward, I'm playing because I learned that at an early age. I'm playing jazzy riffs here in front of one of the greatest comp composers in human history. The greatest rock star of all time. The Beatles. Paul McCartney. The greatest, you know. Unbelievable. And so I'm playing. And all I could think was, you can fool them if you just keep the beat. So whatever you do, just... So I'm like stomping to keep the beat like this. I'm like... Keep the beat done as love. I'm just like playing, losing my mind. I'm out of my head. And um, he's just... In the back there. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So I play, goes goes well, and then I come off stage and I walk over to him. I'm like, I'm passing him. I'm not gonna like duck him. And I go, you know, Paul, sir, Paul, Mr. McCartney. My name is Avery Pearson. Your music inspired me. I played easy to play Beatles books. I hated piano. I stuck with it. It's why I'm here today. Thank you so much for everything you do. I just wanted to say hello. And he goes, oh yes, no. Oh, it's great. And then he takes a pause, puts his uh, finger on his chin, thinks, he goes, unlock your chord progressions. <laughs> wow. The greatest composer of all time just told me he likes my chord progressions. I'm like, I better keep doing this. And I'm just like, okay, okay. All right, oh. <laughs> and then all of these comics had like because they had found out that he was there so everyone was just I remember walking to the door at the improv to leave the room and there were just like ten comics with their mouth like the jaw hitting the floor just like huh and they're like you just played for I'm like I just played for Paul McCartney they're like you just played for Paul you did it you liked it you did it I liked it that's what I did you did you did that I'm like did that happen they're like yeah I'm like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna go step out I need, I'm gonna get a drink I'm gonna go yeah you should go and I'm like so then um, Dane Cook goes up and um, he does time Owen Benjamin goes up does time and then the three of us are backstage at the improv in the hallway in the bathroom and we're just fucking fanboying out and it was at that stage I knew that it didn't matter how famous you were or how good of a comic you were Paul McCartney levels the field okay. you are all just Beatles nerds okay. period Dan Cook full on career hilarious albums great awesome dude also has had my back you know didn't matter. We were both nerdos for the Beatles and, and Owen Benjamin. And so we're there and we're like, we gotta see, we gotta get a picture. And Dane's like, well, I don't know what to do. And we're like, I'm like, Dane, you're the most famous. You gotta talk to him. He's like, what am I gonna say? I'm like, who cares? Just fucking say something. You're the famous guy. Go talk to the other famous guys. Oh, God. All right. So we walk and we're like, okay. And someone's like, he just went to the bathroom. We're like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. <laughs> we're waiting outside the bathroom door. Sure enough, Paul McCartney comes out. And we're like, hey. <laughs> and Paul's like, oh yeah, so I was wondering if you guys were going to say hello. And Dave's like, yeah, you know, we thought we'd just follow you into the bathroom. He's like, all right, why don't we bring some girl, bring the girls. Let's do a shoot. And he's like, what? 
and Paul McCartney goes back into the bathroom and we're like, huh? And then Kane's like, what do we do? I'm like, get the girls. I don't know. He said, get the girls, get the girls. So we sent, oh, we sent Omid Singh is there, great comic. I'm like, Omid, go find every girl in this club and tell them Paul McCartney's in the bathroom and we're all going to hang out and do a photo shoot. He's like, okay. <laughs> so we go to the bathroom and there's Paul McCartney going, and we just start peeing together in the urinal, <laughs> taking pictures. Omid, God bless him, takes like a million shots. And then Dane and, and Owen left. And then Paul's just there. He wanted to keep going. So I went around onto the toilet and I stood up. And there's, if you go to look at my Facebook, any of my profiles, it's all the same picture. It'll never change. It's going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> yeah. That's it. So I put my head over the bar because I remembered, like, you know, in the 60s, there's all those pictures of the Beatles at the plane, but there's some uh. idiot who's climbed up the fence and he's like <laughs> looking. He like went through security in the back. So I'm like, do that shot. So I'm like, just took a shit and stood up and like looked down at Paul McCartney. And so there's these incredible, <laughs> incredible shots of me looking down on him. Um, anyways, and then, so that night was incredible. And then, like, a few weeks later, I got an email out of the blue from Judd Apatow. And he's like, hey, uh, hey, Avery. Okay, I'm not going to do it. My voice is her. Now Judd would be like, hey, Avery, um, I'm doing late night with Seth Meyers. Would you, would you mind if I told your story? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, dude, go for it. So he's, I sent him the picture through Dane, and he tells this story. Because he was doing promo for um, Chris Red's movie, um, uh, Superstar. Uh, don't uh, poop, Superstar. Uh, super. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't uh, stop. Don't, being, stop being, don't uh, stop stopping. Never yeah, stop stopping, yeah. right? And uh, so he, so he does the promo. Talks about Ringo Starr being in it. He's like, and then my friend Avery did this thing with Paul McCartney, and Seth Meyers had the picture. That's it. So wow. one day I'm going to do Seth Meyers. I'm going to bring that picture and the picture. And we're going to have an inception moment. <laughs> and that's, so any of the bookers at Seth Meyers, I've got a great inception story for yeah. you. So, um, yeah. So that, so that was Paul McCartney. Now the cool thing about that was obviously meeting him, but then that it really started my career because it got me all this attention in the community. People saw that picture and I'm just telling this great story yeah, yeah. over and over. And people got to see that I'm more than just a piano player. And then they started singing more songs with me and doing more things and taking me as a comedian because I could take this moment. I'm really good at making very talented people even better yeah. with piano and working with them. I'm very good at supporting just from my acting experience and all the different things I've done. I'm just, it's my secret superhuman power. I'm good for other people. Yeah. And so all these things started happening because of that because of this like Paul McCartney group thing and Amazing. anyway so that was that's my Paul McCartney story yep. so I am we are one one degrees one degree or two degrees I don't know the math that's right separated from that's right yeah. yeah and I'll show you some pictures you can post it oh yes yeah yes. yeah yeah it'll kill the interview if I show you the pictures <laughs> now I'll do it, I'll do it later <laughs> and we went to I actually took my son to a Paul McCartney concert oh wow that t-shirt is one of his favorites so absolutely like, I, I made a t-shirt of my picture yeah, yeah. Oh, actually awesome. Matt Syndicate did it yeah that's Eric awesome. did over there yeah yeah <laughs> Well, uh, we could go on for, for hours and hours talking, but uh, I need to start wrapping it up. Okay. Trying to pick out, well, I'll just, I'll just ask you, is there anything we haven't talked about that you want to make sure people know about you? Um, we've done, a, it's been a pretty, pretty thorough thing. Um, the main thing, uh, people, what people want to know about me, like in what sense, like, 
I mean stuff are, stuff I mean yeah, yeah I mean I, I I work really hard um, I have a family and um, you know I think like I don't know this is cheesy but like whatever you want to do just do it you know just don't hurt anyone be kind to people I think that's like the key that's helped me in times when I felt like I should be doing something else that I wanted yeah. you know that's all you can't always get what you want but try sometimes you get what you need and, I, and that's and that's that's my story and um to any of you out there, like I feel you if you're like struggling through something, I really empathize and, and feel for you and just try to do things to make yourself feel happy. Take take a few deep breaths. Five five deep breaths can change your entire thing. And uh, practice gratitude <laughs> like you know. I, I try to say my gratefuls when things seem like they're not great, you know, you yeah. go back and you know just re- remember that I'm a stanchion comic you know <laughs> you're not a stanchion comic <laughs> there's always a pole for me to stand behind and I'll, <laughs> and I'll perform the, my, my, the hell out of it or I'll move it <laughs> fuck <laughs> uh, uh, amazing uh, for me listening to you there are two things that have stuck out at me and and it kind of goes to paying it forward which I think you know you're you're doing too is two pivotal moments in your life where uh, women in particular saw something in you and found their encouraging ways of getting you on a path that leads you to today. And I just think that's really awesome that, you know, not not just that it was women, but it was just like people saw something in you and wanted to keep encouraging you to, to do. Yeah, I. it's true. It's very true. Um, women in particular. When I was young, I didn't have a lot of guy friends. It was mostly women. I was in a carpool of like four other girls who drove me crazy because we were 12. Uh, but <laughs> hell hath no fear like a 12-year-old girl. And, uh, yeah. And, um, uh, but I was, I really, I respect women. I love women. And I actually, I have so much fun. I think women on my show, I really, really connect with them because not inappropriate um, I want I support them I consider them sisters and I, 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 I look up to them I look up to all these people that I work with I, I genuinely look up to them I think they're incredible and you know Josh specifically Adam Myers you know has he has the, the sacred feminine in him where he has this feminine power he's all bravado it's all show he's a puppy that kid you know he means ah, I'm a, you know, I did this but he's a puppy and um, he was he was incredibly supportive of me to get me up he's encouraging you know whenever I was nervous on stage we did this thing where we like it's called shoulder 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 roll it in and in yeah we roll it in and then we shoulder 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 roll it in yeah we roll it now fucking crush um, but yeah I think women in comedy are brilliant, and I love them. And yes, I again support the ones around you, not because maybe in turn it'll do something for you like karma, but because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Help each other out. Yeah. We are spinning in infinity right now, <laughs> and there's and and you can just encourage people and help people and let people be who they want to be. And people choose what they want to choose yeah. in terms of women. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, on that note, I'm going to give you my closing question. Yep. One word to describe your future. Oh, okay. 
God, you know, I want to say hope. I just want to continue to be hopeful and, and, and positive and, um, you know, in that sense, be open-minded, yeah. just stay hopeful for the future, um, hopeful for the planet, hopeful for us as a, as a society, that we can live together and be together and continue to work together, bring people together through comedy, through laughter and humility is really important. You know, if you can't take a joke, it, there's no, it, everyone was made, was made fun of as a kid. Everyone. The bullies were made fun of by their parents, if they were bullies probably. Everyone has gotten hit. And just, if you ever like feel like someone is being weird around you, think of them like when they were like five. They're just having fun. Yeah. All they want to do is have fun be hopeful no one no five-year-old is like i gotta get these taxes and i gotta be miserable and upset <laughs> just look at that person imagine them in your five-year-old self imagine playing with them imagine making up a play with them do something out of the normal and be hopeful for that mm. that's that's uh, that that's what came came to mind very nice and yeah. shit brick that's my oh. favorite swear word also <laughs> moron and <laughs> diarrhea breath <laughs> that's a hyphen oh Josh, thanks for making Oh, yeah, no appearance. problem. I'll do a full-on interview with Josh, for sure. You get it. <laughs> that is a wrap on Comedy Wham Presents. Avery Pearson. Wham. Comedy Wham. Comedy Wham. Yeah. Uh, tell us where we can find you on social media and promote your projects. Thank you so much. Uh, you can find me on all socials at Avery Funny. A-V-E-R-Y-F-U-N-N-Y Funny. Um, also, please follow my show, The 88 Show, and that's at The 88, the number show. 88 keys on a piano. The 88 show um, you know hit us up follow us if you have venues and stuff you want to come do shows we'd love to it's a comedy music show featuring original comedy songs it's great um, and come out to the comedy gym uh, while you're in town and uh, keep having fun out there very good yeah. yeah we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Avery got to be the fun comedic non-stanchion <laughs> genius that you heard today just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Avery Pearson. I'm Valerie and that's been funny. Thank you, Avery. Thank you so much for doing this. We love you. Yeah. Yeah. Another shout out for stanchions? Oh yeah. I want to give it up for all the poles out there. No one gives you uh, no one gives you any respect. Everyone just walks by you. But I give you respect. I'll just stand behind you. Hope for the best. You're the best You took an afternoon off at Moon Tower Yeah, you're the best Everyone knows now You don't have to cower Jeremiah, welcome You're now in the wham of fame and now you get a root beer welcome to the wham of fame jeremiah you're inaugurated